Okay, folks, welcome to the Daily Power Parsha. It is great to see you um, and great to study together. So today we begin uh, our conversation about a new Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is known as Ve'et Hanan, and it is quite special. I'm going to share my screen with you, and we're going to go through this together. There's a lot of uh, just incredible ideas and insights here. So without further ado... Let us jump right in. Okay. Torah portion once again opens up with Moses speaking to the people. That is, as you know from last week, that's the theme of this book of Deuteronomy. Moses is uh, speaking directly to his people, to the Jewish people, the last 37 days of his life. And look what Moses says. He's talking about the aftermath of God's... um, Uh, promise to him or God's warning to him that he's not going to enter, that Moses will not uh, be allowed to enter the land of Israel. So Moses shares with the people about how he begged God to to be allowed to go into the land of Israel. And that's how the Torah portion begins. Ve'etchanan means I entreated or I pray or I pleaded with. I entreated the Lord at that time saying, this is Moses reflecting on his own actions. And he said that I, this is what he said to God, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For who is like God in heaven or on earth who can do as your deeds and your might? Basically what Moses is saying is, we've already had success. You've begun to show your servant your greatness means, and your strong hand means that we've already had success against, as we read at the end of last week's Torah portion, against the the, the, um, the kings of Sichon and Og, the two nations that started up with the Jewish people on their way to Israel, and battles ensued, and the Jews were victorious in battle, and Moses is saying, it's already starting. It's already, the battle's already starting. We're already being successful. Can't you just let me in? Can't you just let me cross that border and continue? So, verse 25, pray, let me cross over. I think that's... Um, like the, the phrase, pray tell, I think pray here means please. Please let me cross over and see the good land that is on the other side of the Jordan, this good mountain, and the Lebanon. So Moses here is telling the people about how he begged God to be allowed to go into the land of Israel. Now, before we get to God's response, you might read it yourself, but before we get there, I need to point out the following. Ve'et Hanan, which is the first Hebrew word of our Torah portion, um, the numerical value of that is 515. And our sages tell us that Moses was alluding to the fact, he was hinting to the fact that he prayed 515 times. He recited 515 tefillot, prayers, in order to be given access to the land of Israel. And God's answer consistently was no. But Moses... Moses was, um, was, was not stopping to ask. Moses asked again and again and again. So that's, uh, that itself is a message. That itself is a lesson in life, which is we should, we should know what we want and be persistent and be, and be driven to, uh, to attain it. Let's see what God's answer was. But the Lord, verse 26, but the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he did not listen to me. Moses throws in that line, you know, I, I, I got punished because of all y'all, because of uh, the sin of the spies and, and hitting the rock when you guys were complaining about the water. Basically, 
you know, a little bit of, of guilt here, a little bit of fault he's putting on the people. He says, the God, was not, God was not happy with me and he did not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, it is enough for you. In other words, enough is enough. Speak to me no more regarding this matter. No more requests. You, you, you already prayed 515 tefillot, 515 prayers. That's enough. The answer remains, no, you will not enter the land. Rather, God says, go to, up to the top of the, top of the hill and lift your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and see with your eyes. In other words, look, go to the mountaintop, hilltop, and look out at the land of Israel. But that's the closest you're going to get, for you shall not cross this Jordan. Rather, command Joshua and strengthen him and encourage him, for he will cross over before the people and he will make them inherit the land which you will see. And we abide in the valley opposite Beth Ba'ar. Again, this is Moses reflecting and sharing with the people um, what happened in, the, in, in his conversations with God. Um, what we find a beautiful message here with this, um, with, with this, uh, with this request, with this dialogue Moses is wanting the culmination of his life's mission. Moses wants the ability to go into the land of Israel and settle there. That's all he wants. That's like his final step. And God does not allow that wish to be fulfilled. God leaves Moses unfulfilled. And there's a beautiful lesson in that, in that itself. And that is that as human beings we might never see the attainment of our, of our goals and aspirations. But that should not deter us from striving to achieve them nonetheless. I want to share a story maybe that helps illustrate this. The Talmud says there was once a man who was planting a tree. And a young man, maybe a young boy, comes along and says, um, Why are you planting the tree? And the man says, I'm planting the trees, so I'm planting the seeds so that the tree will grow. Yeah, I'm planting this, not planting a tree, sorry, planting a seed so that the tree will grow. Um, that's what the man tells this, uh, this, this, this child. And the child says, um, how soon is it going to grow? He says, it takes decades. This was an old man who was planting the seed. He says, it takes decades for it to grow. So the young boy says to the man, so why are you planting it? You're never going to see it in your lifetime. And the man says, I'm planting it not for myself, but I'm planting it for my children, maybe my grandchildren, and their children for all time. And it's such a beautiful message and it's such a beautiful parable because it really speaks to our efforts in life. Sometimes we start things, but we don't have the opportunity to see their conclusion or culmination. We begin, we begin a process. We begin, we plant the seeds. And we maybe see the, the beginnings of the growth, but maybe we're not going to see it. And a person might cynically say, well, if I can't see the end, then I'm not going to start with the beginning. All right, if, I don't, if I'm not going to enjoy it, if I'm not going to finish it, then I'm not even going to start it. The Torah reminds us how important it is to start it, even if you're not going to see the end of it. God tells Moses, you started the process. You helped the Jews get out of Egypt. You helped them cross the Red Sea, you help them receive the Torah at Sinai, you help them navigate 40 years of wandering in the desert, you've helped them along their journey, you're not going to take them to the Promised Land. That's going to happen with Joshua. And you're going to remain with some of your desires, some of your wishes unfulfilled. But such is the way of life. We, we, we pass away 
and we live our lives and we pass away and do we have everything fulfilled that we wanted to see fulfilled? Probably not. Even Moses didn't have all his wishes fulfilled. But it doesn't mean that we didn't live a good life, especially in a situation like Moses where he literally paved the way for what was to come after his passing. In that sense, his wishes were fulfilled, but after his passing. So his self, not selfish, but his personal desire was not fulfilled. But what he started, that definitely had fulfillment. So that's the first message that I'd like to share with you based on, on, on this reading. And the message also for us is the notion of not being satisfied with, uh, with what we already have. Moses could have, conversely, the other message is the opposite. Moses could have set, uh, sit, sit back and said, you know what, I lived a good life. I've seen it all. From floating on the Nile as a baby in a basket, to growing up in the palace, to battling Pharaoh, to shepherding the people for 40 years. I've seen it all. Let me retire and just be, be, be done with it. No, ve'et chanan, Moses prays and prays again and again and again, 515 times, because he does want his vision to be satisfied. He does want to go into the land of Israel. So the message there is never give up on your dreams. So we have a, a contradictory message, which is also fine. Number one, don't give up on your dreams. Number two, be ready to accept the fact that you, might not be, that you might not see the fulfillment of your dreams. But still don't give up. Keep on pushing and it may be realized at some point later. Take a look at what Moses says, chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. Take a look. And now, O Israel, look what he says. Hearken, <laughs> I love this, and now, based on everything I just told you up until now, all of the oral history that we reviewed together, and now, hearken to the statutes and to the judgments which I teach you to do in order that you may live and go and possess the land which the Lord God your forefathers is giving you. So what Moses is saying is, based on everything that I've just reviewed with you, based on the recent history and the not-so-recent history, you're meant to go into the land of Israel and God is... Um, getting rid of those other nations because of their idolatry and God rescued you for a mission based on everything and all of the above, I want you to make sure to pledge, to listen to the law, to follow the commandments and follow the path that God has set out for you so that you may live and be successful and be happy in the land that God has given you. Take a look at this. This is a very important um, obligation. Do not add to the word which I command you, nor diminish from it to observe the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. This becomes a very important law in Judaism, which is we are not allowed to add a mitzvah, nor take away from a mitzvah. We have 613 commandments, and we're not meant to add on or take away. Now, you might be wondering, what about the rabbinic commandments? Those are not considered to be adding on because those are clearly labeled rabbinic ordinances. And the rabbis elsewhere in Torah were given permission under you know, um, certain circumstances to create either a fence around Torah or to create a precaution or whatever it is in order to protect Torah law. That's not considered to be adding to the Torah. That's considered to be rabbinically putting a fence around the Torah. But it's important to understand this. We're not meant to add to the Torah or take away from the laws of the Torah. So now the taking away sounds easier to understand. You can't just say, well, 
you know, we have these mitzvot, let's just uh, conveniently, you know, cut out half of them. That's, that's, uh, that's not cool. But what about adding to the word? Why not add a mitzvah? If you want to add something, why not? Why, why is that considered to be problematic? The answer is because once we start adding, we might then start taking away. Once we feel like we have full control over this thing called Torah, we can do as we fit, we can add on, then necessarily what's going to follow is saying, well, if I can add, I can also take away. And then it becomes a Torah created in our image as opposed to God's word, and that's something else. There's nothing wrong with creating our own religion. That's fine. But then it's not God's Torah, and then it's just missing the magic of being, uh, of being God's Judaism. Then it's just man-made stuff, which there's plenty of that out there, but it's not divine. Um, so, so Moses, this is a very important mitzvah, verse 2, or prohibition, not to add or take away from the, uh, the mitzvot. Um, and then verse 3 and 4, very powerful. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did about Pa'ar. That refers to an incident uh, of idolatry. For every man who went after that idol called Baal Pa'ar, the Lord your God has exterminated from your midst. This was in the aftermath of Balaam. Remember the evil prophet Balaam who was hired to curse the Jews? He wasn't able to curse the Jews, but he told the daughters of Midian to go out and seduce the Jewish men. And, and part of the seduction was they pulled out an idol for worship. What, what was the idol? It was called the Baal Pa'ar, which had a very interesting way of, uh, of worship, which I don't want to get into right now. But anyway, they, and that was the idol that they had worshipped in that incident. So Moses says, you saw what happened then when, 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 when y'all started serving the Baal Pa'ar. The Lord your God exterminated those that served the idols from your midst. So idolatry, no good. You got to get rid of that. But you who cleave to the Lord your God are alive, all of you today. This is powerful. When we connect with God, when we cleave to God, then we are truly alive. Why is this? Because God is the source of life. So if you're plugged into the source of life, then you're going to be alive. If you unplug from the source of life, well, then the opposite is true. And what we mean here is not just biologically alive. We mean spiritually alive. A person could be biologically alive, but not be alive. The Talmud says that the wicked in their lifetime are called dead. Why? Because although biologically they might still be breathing, but on, 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 with, within the, the metric of virtue, there's no life there. There's no, there's, no, there's no spiritual existence. So the Torah, Moses, again, this is all Moses speaking to the people. Moses reminding the people of the importance of staying away from idolatry, of connecting with God. And when we connect with God, that constitutes true, genuine, spiritual life. Now, let's continue with the second reading, which corresponds to Monday, which is today. So the second reading of our Torah portion, once again, Moses tells us his objective. Behold, I have taught you statutes and ordinances as the Lord my God commanded me. Again, Moses clarifies that everything that he told us was all commanded by God to him to tell us. Moses did not create or invent mitzvot. They all came from God. And I taught you this. Why? To do so in the midst of the land to which you are coming to possess. In other words... The purpose of this is to fulfill them in the land of Israel and beyond. And look at this, verse number 6. And you shall keep them and do them. For that is your wisdom and your understanding in the eyes of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, only this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What Moses says is, don't be embarrassed about Torah. 
Don't be embarrassed about the mitzvot. When you proudly wear your Judaism on your sleeve, the other nations will say, wow, this nation is a wise and understanding people because Torah is so ahead of its time. Torah has morality and ethics and values and kindness and compassion. Torah is beautiful and Torah is brilliant and wise. And when we observe Torah and mitzvot, the other people of the world will say, ah, only this, great, only this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Um, Moses then says, I'm skipping a few verses, be careful, be careful, but beware and watch yourself very well. Remember, this is his uh, final speech to his people. Be careful, lest you forget the things your eyes saw, and lest these things depart from your heart all the days of your life, and you shall make them known to your children, to your children's children. In other words, don't forget, because if you forget, it's not going to be good. If you forget what happened when you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, which is Sinai, and you approached the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire, the Lord spoke to you then, out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sounds of the words, but saw no image, just a voice. God has no image, just a voice. And He told you His covenant, the Ten Commandments. He inscribed them on two stone tablets. So, and you shall watch yourself very well. For you did not see any image on that day. Right? Remember, no idols, no images. No, no forms of God. God is formless, imageless. Lest you become corrupt. Remember that lest you become corrupt and make for yourself a graven image, the representation of any form, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, or a winged bird that flies in the heaven, or anything that crawls on the ground, or any fish in the water. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't create a painting or a sculpture of any of these things. What it means is you can't create an, a graven image. That means an image that is intended for idolatry using any of nature. So you cannot create a, an, an idol in a human form, animal form, bird form, insect form, fish form. And now let's talk about sun, moon, and stars. Unless you lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and moon and stars and be drawn away to prostrate yourself before them and worship them, that's also a problem. Don't worship the heavenly bodies either. Rather, the Lord took you out and brought you out of the iron crucible out of Egypt to be a people of His possession as of this day. So, bottom line here is that that's, that's a theme that starts several verses above about remember at Sinai, you heard God's voice, but you didn't see anything because God, our God, does not have an image. So don't ascribe an image to God. Do not create an idol. Whether it's a human form, an animal form, an insect form, a winged bird form, a fish form, or a sun, moon, and stars form. Don't create a form to that which transcends all form altogether. Do not try to box God into a box that He is not inside of. So that is, that is the, uh, the warning, if you will, that Moses gives to the people um, you know, in his final speech. Once again, Moses recalls that uh, God told him no because of the people. And the Lord was angry with me because of you. And he swore that I would not cross the Jordan and that I would not come into the good land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Um, for I will die in this land. 
I will not cross the Jordan. You, however, will cross and you will possess this good land. So he's basically saying, also, number one, it's still your fault, but number two, um, you're going in and you therefore need this warning. Beware, lest you forget the covenant that God made with you. And lest you forget, lest you make for yourselves a graven image. That's not going to be good for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, zealous God. And what happens if you do serve idols? Then what's going to happen is, I call, upon, I call as a witness against you this very day, the heaven and the earth, that you will speedily and utterly perish from the land to which you cross the Jordan. What Moses is saying is he's putting the land of Israel in direct relationship to um, monotheism. And he says, if you, follow, if you worship idols, if you worship anything other than God, then the land is going to reject you. You will utterly perish from the land to which you cross, which, uh, to which you cross the Jordan. You will not prolong your days upon it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will remain few in number among the nations. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that all of these foreboding words of Moses have come to pass, where we went into Israel, we got the temple, and then we worshipped idols. And then this promise came to fruition. This punishment came to fruition. That we were sent out of the land of Israel. The temple was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. Israel was, and Jewish people were exiled and scattered amongst the peoples. That's been the st our status for the last few thousand years. And there you, you will worship gods. It gets worse. Man's handiwork, wood and stone. So being in exile, you're going to then further adopt the ways of the nations. But the good news is, verse 29, and from there you will seek God, and you will find Him, if you seek with all your heart and with all your soul. If you're in that state of distress, when you are distressed, and all these things happen upon you in the end of days, then you will return to the Lord your God and obey Him. In other words, when things get bad, exile, and things are not good, and you try to fit in, you try to assimilate, and it still wasn't good, and then you're like, well, let me just fully embrace my identity, then God will, uh, will, will bring us back. For the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not let you loose or destroy you, neither will you forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to you. And that's, um, that's kind of the theme. I don't want to go through all the verses, but I hope you get a, a solid sense of what Moses is saying. He's really outlining the arc of Jewish history. And he's saying, you're going to go into Israel and there's going to be a lot of temptations. And you're going to be tempted to follow the ways of the other nations and serve idols. If you do that, the land of Israel will, will reject you. You'll be spit out of the land. And you'll be scattered across the nations. And then you'll further adopt the ways of the nations. But at some point, you're going to come back. And when you come back to God, God is there with open arms. And then it's going to get better. So that's, uh, that's, the, that's the prophecy, the premonition. That's the promise of Moses in his final words to his people. Um, that it will be ultimately good. It will be good. Um, yeah. But it, it doesn't, really, it doesn't, doesn't uh, free us from our, our, our obligations to, to, walk the, uh, to walk the path. What about the statutes to the American founding fathers? Matt, explain your question. Sorry. Also, just in general, like, if there's a statue of George Washington. Oh, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. I'm not going to weigh in on the other, on the Confederate statues. That's another conversation. But no, statues are not a problem. It's a great question. 
Statues are not a problem because they're not meant for deification. They're not meant for idol worship. But there are things, there are images, especially when it comes to other traditions. I'm not familiar with all of the Eastern religions, but I, I believe that in Eastern, Eastern religions do create little um, Buddhas and whatnot. And that could be problematic because those are created as a um, divine, so to speak, symbol. And it's very clear. Torah is very clear on the matter. We believe in God. We believe in one God. We do not make an image that represents that whatsoever. No images. This is like no icons, no images, no logos, no nothing. Right? No, no branding God. That's it. So, and any, any doing such, if we, any such doing is, uh, goes against the, um, this, uh, this thing. And, and as Moses says, that's the beginning of the end. Once we start adopting, God forbid, once we, if we were to adopt those ways, then at that point, the rest is history. And by the way, historically, that's, how the fir- that's why the first temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. Because the Jews were, were serving idols, and that's where the temple was destroyed. Second temple, because we couldn't get along with each other, and that was another f- reason for destruction and exile. But Moses was concerned with one thing, that after his passing, the Jews would go into Israel, they would settle in, and they would get lax. They would get, uh, you know, life is good, whatever, let's, let's explore. Ah, this looks like fun, let's try this. That, uh, oh, other people are trying it, let me try it, let me also see how that feels. And, and we would slowly move away from that, uh, from that core commitment. And he was trying to warn us to stay vigilant and remain constantly focused on, keep, the eye, keep, the eye, keep our eyes on the, on the prize and keep, keep our eye on the ball and, and not take our attention away from God, Torah, and mitzvot. Um, but the good news is, even if we do and when we do, there's always a way back, as Moses says. History will prove that we will turn away we will be exiled, but we will turn back and we will come back. So that's the good news. God is always there with open arms. And, uh, and that's, that's the happy ending. So let's, let's make it the happy ending. We're still in exile. Although we have the state of Israel, we're still in exile. We don't have Mashiach. The world is not in its ideal state. So let's make it happen. It happens because of us, our efforts. So the more uh, mitzvot we do, the more good deeds we do, the better the world is. And the light the more light in the world, and the more happiness in the world. So to recap, today we spoke about um, not giving up, praying for something that you really believe in and never giving up, being restless. We also spoke about the fact that we may never fully achieve our goals and that's okay. It doesn't stop us from pursuing them. And then we spoke about, of course, the major theme was about um, staying true to our tradition, to our calling, even when it's a little bit difficult, even when there are other outside influences. We're meant to be unique and stand up against the tides of the world and, uh, and maintain our unique identity. So be proud of who you are and let's make the world a better place. All right, thank you for joining me today for Daily Power of Parsha. Any questions, comments? Yeah, so really, really random question. One of sure. my friends asked me, um, I guess, why is Judaism called Judaism and not like Israelism since we're all the descendants of Jacob? Excellent I question. Have, I didn't have an answer for him. That's a really good question. So Judaism, um, or Jew, comes from the word Yehudi, which means um, descendant of the tribe of Judah, which is only one of the 12 tribes. Now, the question is, it would seem more accurate 
to be called B'nai Yisrael, children of Israel, which we are called also, but not in language, we're not, not, not as common, which Israelites, which coming from Israel, Jacob, Israel, are all 12 tribes. Why one specific tribe? So I'll give you a, a, a beautiful answer. So the um, Judah was, of all the brothers, he was the king. The kingdom, uh, King David came from the tribe of Judah. Judah is the king. Judah is brave. He was the one who, when Joseph was, um, when the brothers wanted to kill Joseph, he's the one that said, no, we're not going to kill him, we're going to sell him. And when Benjamin was in danger, he stood up for Benjamin. He was a man of action. And he was not afraid to go to war for what he believed in. And that's the mighty kingdom of, uh, of the Jewish people is from the tribe of Judah. So I think it's kind of like um, a demonstration of not just Jewish identity, but also of our purpose, which is to stand strong and stand against you know, the, uh, the wrongs around us. So it's one thing to be a, um, a docile Jew. But Yehuda means to be, a, to be proud, to be a, a lion. Judah is like the lion. Yehuda means lion. So that's what a Jew means. Jew is uh, someone that has that strength. So correct. I, I guess biologically it would make sense to call, them, to call us Israelites. But colloquially, in language, it just kind of, we adopted that name. I think it's kind of cool. It's, it speaks to, speaks to purpose. So how would you distill that in a, in a short elevator pitch? Just say, you're right. But we were called after one of the tribes that was the, uh, the warrior tribe, the, the strong, the, uh, the, king, the king tribe, because we're all meant to be, to be warriors in our own life for goodness. That's it. That would be the short 30-second version. All right. Any other questions, comments? No? Good to see you all. Matt, great to see you. Ray, great to see you. Stephanie, great to see you. Um, tonight, we do not have class. Tomorrow night, I'm going to send out an email soon. Our weekly Wednesday night class on the Torah portion is going to be moved to tomorrow night because Wednesday night begins the fast of the 9th of Av. So the fast begins at 8.40 p.m. It doesn't make sense to have a class from 7.30 to 8.30 running right into a fast. At least it doesn't make sense for me to do that. So therefore, I'm going to move Wednesday's class to Tuesday, but you'll get an email. So if you're wondering about the schedule for this week, no class tonight. Tomorrow, noon, we're back to noon, don't worry. Back to noon, Daily Power Parsha. Tomorrow night, Torah studies. Wednesday night is, begins Tish above the Fast. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. All right, see you all. Have a wonderful day and hope everyone's healthy and well. Take care, all. See you soon. Bye, all.